0: This is the Final Whistle Podcast from the Rexham AFC media team. Well, yes, yeah, So, welcome to Dragonheart. Uh, it's me, Mark Griffiths, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined by James Harrison. Hi, James. Good to see you. Hi. How's it going? Oh, nice yeah, yeah. Wait, well, that's to be Saturday evening. Maybe that's the best thing to say, isn't it, really? <laughs> um, Chi is not with us because congratulations to him. He's had a fine young baby. That's a bizarre way to put it. Uh, And to be fair, being a new father is kind of important. And so he's got his hands full at the moment. But uh, absolutely massive congratulations from all of us to Che. and, uh, And also of course to Mrs. Che and to Wesley. Not sure if he's named after Wes York or Wes Baines. We might debate this afterwards James, I don't know. But, uh, Either way, what, what
1: an exciting, what an exciting time for uh, a newborn Wrexham fan to come into uh, into the club
0: with the way forward. Absolutely, and believe me, I know Jay, Wesley will be a Wrexham fan. There's no two ways about it. <laughs> so <Sorry. laughs> well, fantastic. Well, uh we'll better fill Wesley in on what happened just before he was born. Uh Wrexham beating King's Link. Uh that was it was a uh, uh, I felt happier about it afterwards, I think, games at the time. I felt edgy. It's, just,
1: it's mm. I I think everyone did. It's that you look at the, you look at your fixtures, you think that's got to be a win, particularly in the position we are, particularly in the way you want to challenge, and obviously the Steve Cleave bit as well. And it, it's just all, all it all leads into it. But you're looking you know, and no disrespect to Kings then, those are those are games that you expect know, you're looking at and say that's three points. And it becomes nervy when there's a goal and they keep scoring.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it just wouldn't stop. It was like, oh, I, I, for some reason, I'm thinking of that. Um, what was that film of Julia Roberts where she had this awful boyfriend? It was one of the earlier Julia Roberts ones. and um, not pre- It's not Pretty Woman. Uh, not Pretty Woman. That was that. Well, well when you hear <laughs> while I say next, you'll realise, wow, it would be a very different film. Um, uh, in the end, he's so horrific and she kills him, which I don't remember happening to Richard Gere. Although you know it is a sanitised version of this tale about prostitution, isn't it? Uh, maybe the real version that, that happens. Um, but in this film, he, she kills him, and she's relieved. And then he comes back again, so she has to kill him again, like Rasputin, He comes back again, and it, it, Kingsley were like that. They just wouldn't die, you know. And they get they hit an equaliser, <laughs> oh, fair play, that's a brilliant goal. But when we do him again, it goes to three-one. If that's over and fair play them, they just would not give up.
1: That sounds more like her brother's type sort of film and Eric Roberts' eighty sort of action film. that keeps coming
0: back to life. <laughs> oh, uh, they—I mean, they were dreadful defensively, really awful defensively, and we could easily have scored a silly number of goals. Really, I mean, we had. The goal disallowed, which I think we should get to in a moment, because if you've got any theory as to why that was disallowed, I'd be fascinated, it's bizarre one. I,
1: I, I have got a theory on that, actually, yeah. I've, uh, uh, what, I've watched finished. that. I, like, probably a lot of fans watched the replay several times, and oh, yeah. I, I think yeah. I've got it, but, um, yeah. Well, but, I'll yeah, no, good. I think yeah, you're right. I mean, you can score a half full. I mean, five, five, let's not be greedy, five is a great thing to do. I mean, yeah. And a couple of their goals, really, the free kick, yeah. Um, Kerry's a, a decent player to be honest He's, yeah, he stands he out right. for them a couple of times I've seen him play Um but yeah the other two are sort of mistakes really and our defence particularly in the 18-yard box has, has been quite solid and, and, and robust so you can put that down to hopefully an off day at the office and close back up the next game
0: hopefully yeah hopefully because uh, we haven't been that part our season so hopefully yeah it's just a weird thing that happened it was poor, wasn't it we had such a soft underbelly to go on you just running straight through the middle of us that wasn't pretty was it but yeah no. like you say i i we did bash it the other end there keeping me three unbelievable saves as well so, yeah you know, you know we've got to be happy really haven't we
1: yeah i mean fair play to jackson he was there the right place right time to knock in you know you know make the most to capitalize on the errors and that's what that's what you pay your money for strikers to do i suppose isn't it so we uh, yeah, and Wrexham. Yeah, came, normally we come against a keeper and, and using that type of form, and we don't score. So to get five passing, because how frustrated have we been when the keepers, you know, looked dodgy and pulled off the, all these saves, and we've not scored anything and, and gone away from a game where we thought we should have had points and got nothing from it. So yeah,
0: that's bonus. your Richardson. I mean, he was. Well, he was absolutely magnificent, and yet still at in five goals. Uh, something which I often tried to argue in my goalkeeping career didn't manage to be as convincing as he was. Um, but that just come on, we got to do it. The disallowed goal. What? What?
1: So I think everyone's concentrating a little too much on the sort of last four or five seconds of the ball going to the net. Mm-hmm. If you take it back ten seconds. Pearson is actually holding back the defender and quite badly so. He's put his arms all around him. He pulls the defender away. It's only when the ball ricochets back that Pearson tries to rush forward and that's when it looks like he's rugby tackled. But if you look on the build up, it's actually Pearson um, holding the defender back, which allows the initial um, initial shot on goal or the space that the assistant gives. That was, that, that's the only thing I can see in it.
0: How dare you, James Harrison? How dare you <laughs> say John Pearson would commit a foul at a set piece? That's <laughs> unbelievable. It's um, the, yeah. it, the
1: only thing I can see, really, that I, I think, and I think it's Pearson's given for the initial foul. Mm. Everything after that, yeah, I can't see anything wrong with it.
0: I um, I have an alternative theory. Okay. Which is, I think, well, right, before I explain it, I think it just illustrates that it was a controversial call because we can't agree, and as you say... We have both looked at it over and over again. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious about the way that the moment jelly scored and then turned and saw that the referee was not going to allow it, he tapped his head, which usually, of course, is a symbol for I didn't score with my hand, I headed it. But that's yeah. definitely not what he was doing because, I mean, at no point was the ball anywhere near anyone's hand, except um, with the initial one where the defender blocks it and maybe with an arm on the line, but anyway, I'll leave that. Um, it's complicated enough so it's definitely not a Wrexham hand ball but the other reason he may argue is like you know is are you, you know, was, are you giving high kicking and their players ducking in and when I've looked at the replay I mean the ball's not on the floor when he bollies it I would argue and his foot is quite close to the defender's head on the line it's not high kicking though I mean his, his, his foot is lower than his hip and he's leaning so his hip's low and frankly, the defender is, is almost doubled over trying to head it. Now, the way that afterwards, uh, Michael Gash was like their main cheerleader, and he kept going to the referee like that as well. And so I wondered if it was that. But if it was that, then it was absolutely nonsensical because there's no way it was high kicking. And as well, if it is that, what is it with referees and us with high kicking on the, on the, on the goal line? I mean, <laughs> we've had a penalty given at Eastley because James Horsfield cleared the ball off the line onto somebody's head and then we have a goal disallowed if that's what it was for for high kicking when you're volleying the ball into the nest could the blokes stoop down in front of you i'm not convinced i'm at the do of know. um jay harris played very well coming back from injury only managed 70 minutes uh let's hope he's got the 90 minutes in him for sat there
1: yeah obviously he's a key player um I- And he's at the end of, you know, at the stage in his career where he needs to be managed through games and game times. And um, obviously, he he likes to collect a few cards to give himself a rest now and again. He's always done that throughout his career. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, he's just managing. It needs to be managed by Dean and the team and and the physio and advice on, you know, had a little bit of injury, rested for the the previous game in Notts County where we we, probably, we really needed that type of player at, at, at times in that game, mm-hmm. particularly in that early sort of 20-25 minutes when they were dominant in midfield. Um, and then, yeah, Kane's back in and, and, and goes off again with an injury. So hopefully, you know, he's the type of player that you need available in the squad, whether we'll get the full, uh, full 90 minutes out of him on, on, on Saturday. But hopefully, um, if we can get whatever we can get, I think we get the best the best Jay Harris we can get for as long as we can get him on the pitch.
0: And another player coming back from injury is Jordan ponte And... I was really impressive with him on Saturday. I mean, I, I've said it a million times. Sorry, I apologise for repeating myself. But, you know, I, I felt that he was the player brought in last summer to score the goals, the injuries he got in pre-season. And then throughout the season, he never really got going. But he looked very sharp on Saturday. His movement was good as well. Um, and he scored two in the last three games and had that controversial goal disallowed, which he, you know, he did his part of the, the, the bargain. Um, I'd love to think that he's got ninety minutes in now in him now as well because it gives us a few options up front. Yeah, he's a
1: player that I think both me and you uh, in pre season were very very happy that we signed him mm-hmm. uh, and, and sort of a bit surprised that we managed to. I think with COVID and, and, and teams cutting down their sort of their youth setups and reserve squads uh, probably freed him up because he was rated at Coventry when we had him and it, I thought he looked decent last year, um, although raw and learning you know senior football in a you know, a difficult physical league. So I was expecting, you know, or hoping for a good season for him. And like I said, he's just been blighted with injuries through pre-season. Uh, stop, start, stop, start. Then he's hit, uh, he's come back with, uh, you know, and been fit. He's hit an informed Kwame Thomas or, you know, and, and there's been obstacles. And then he's managed to get a run in the side again, got injured. And yeah, I just hope that he's you know, got those couple of goals now. Um, he's, I think, you can't question he's, he's keen and, and motivated. He's, he has been all the way through and you just hope that he's just got that bit of match fitness and sharpness just right at the, the right time or peak time for us to, to benefit from it.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I think he's a good player. He's going to contract for next season as well. I'm, I'm very pleased about that too. And then there's competition, like I said, up front. on Matayo, um, <laughs> well, fair play. I mean, he, was, he really bullied the the Lynn centre-backs on Saturday, took his goal well. Um, Dior Angus, you know, I think he's needed a rest for a while, and I think Keats would yeah. really be happy to see Jolly able to start the game. But, you know, there's three good options right there for Keats to, to conjure with when it comes to Saturday.
1: Yeah, three options, and three options that keep defenders busy. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, Gold is obviously, um, you know, he's got his limitations, but if you play to his strengths, and the last couple of games we have done that, we've and he's looked quite decent with knockdowns and and doing that, you know that sort of stuff. Obviously, a couple of goals and bully defenders uh, on Tuesday. But yeah, I mean, your Angus and Ponticelli probably uh, do they work as a partnership up front? I'm not sure. I think they're clever enough players too. Um, but you know, you lose that option of that ball, that long ball, and that target man that you know has seemed to play dividends when we you know when we've had um, obviously Kwame earlier and, and now um, Gold, but. Yeah, I'd be interested. Marsh Brown is obviously another option and an experienced player to come into that sort of... You know, we've got, we've got a mix um, and all we can say is that in strikers scoring goals and being on form on that side is, is, is good. Just need to... Jorangus to, you know, have his rest and come back firing as well.
0: Absolutely. Um, I mean, Chris Sang as well is an option. Yeah. He started one game this season and, uh, you know, I don't think it starts with him or Marsh Brown, I suppose, really. But it's good to have those options. And Sang is a different type of player again And that Sang is a it's a bit of an Andy Morrell. I think really he works defenders extremely hard. He chases down everything. It's, it's good to have that sort of variety, really, isn't it? Um,
1: yeah, I, think, I mean, you look what Stuart Bevan did. He was that type of player that worked harder for us. And, you know, I think with the right striker alongside him, they would have cashed in on, on his work rate. But, you know... Time at the time we were, we were playing with him up front as a target man. And for someone at almost just over five foot, what a lot of balls.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be fair to him, absolutely. We've seen Angus and Poncecelli play together for about 20 minutes. And I, I, I think you're right. I think you'd have to get the right sort of service to them to make them effective. But if you recall, it was a very uh, exciting 20 minutes because it was, that, it was the start of that Notts County game away from home when we really tore at them. And the two of them were causing all sorts of problems, but sadly didn't score. And then Poncecelli broke down. So um, possibly, like you said, they've both got clever movements. They'll both want to run in behind, stretch the defence, give space for Jordan Davis to come into. There's, there's something to think about there. But I suspect, yeah, as you say, Amataya is going to be the, the common factor in any... I think that's
1: Both strikers, like you said, they don't mind running. They don't mind working the channels. They don't mind... Know, do it, you know, making those runs out wide to, to make space for midfielders. So the key there, if you're going to play those two, is, is, like you just said, making sure Jordan Davis can get on the board or, or um you know, one of the other flair players and just sort of pick the passes, um you know, whether that be Jarvis, uh, et cetera, you know. You, but then you need Jay Harris and Young to give you that pivot and, and shore up that midfield to allow that space. And, yeah, it's I suppose it depends... How dagger and Red are set up against us, and what 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 determines what space we
0: get. I mean, looking back again at Kings Lynn as well, the goals you, we mentioned, Jordan Davis, Davis and Young. Oh, you know, and <laughs> the strike from the free kick by Davis. I have two players like that who are able to head it from the edge of the area from set pieces or open play. It's a it's a fantastic uh, weapon for us, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And Jordan Davis, obviously, uh, you know, we we've talked before about he needed the games, he needed the run to, to develop into a player. And that's what you've got to do with young players. You can't just expect them to, to throw them in and then be, you know, it's a bonus if it does come off straight away. But, you know, Jordan's had to sort of fight for his place in the side, fight for what position he's playing. And he was a little bit hesitant, I think, early in the season to take the shots on sometimes. You know, you think you're expecting that sort of lash of the left foot and and have a shot, but he's, he's grown in confidence. He started hitting it and, you know, his set pieces now are, you know, to have that in your Arsenal and on top of, you know, Luke Young as well doing the same thing, you know, that's why that free kick worked on Saturday because the keeper doesn't know who's coming from the left foot or the right foot.
0: Yeah, exactly. Here's a fab fact. And you, know, you know how we're supposed to be a negative team. who struggle to score goals. Well, I mean, obviously that's not the case at the moment, especially as we're the fourth top scorers after the top three in the league. But if you look at um, the amount of gains when we scored three or more goals in a season, This is our best season. Well, well, no, it's our best season since that 90-odd point season in 2011-12. That and this are our best seasons in the conference in that respect. And to find a season when we scored more, when more often we scored three or more goals in a game, you've got to go back to the 2002-2003 promotion season, which shows we certainly, when we catch fire, we can spank teams. Although we have been quite a lot of games we failed to score in. Um, Just to put it in context, I'm talking about league games though, I should emphasise that. We've actually scored three or more goals in a match, more often this year than in the legendary 1977-78 season when we won the third division, which is remarkable really. I mean, we had three players there scoring around 20 goals each a season, and yet this has been the year when we've actually battered teams. It's quite, it's quite, it's a shock, but it's it's a nice shock, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of those teams obviously is the champions Sutton when we four uh, nil at home and stuff, stuff. But yeah, I think it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? it if we struggle to score, if we get if Rex can get the first goal, then we're always capable of um, you know adding to that. I think because that's the style of football we play. We invite teams then to come and get that goal back, uh, and hopefully we can catch them with the pace in the counter, uh, you know, or you know making them force the errors. But it's the it's ones when we struggle to score if teams come to defend and it, we can't it's always can't break we can't always break teams down and we sometimes rely on that wonder shot from a midfielder or the free kick to break the deadlock um, and that's that's where we struggle but yeah we've in terms of goals and goals and games and some exciting uh, football yeah then there's been some a pity that you know people can't see them live really but
0: yeah absolutely well speaking of uh, what we can expect and what teams are gonna do against us surely Dagenham are going to come at us and so after this We'll have a chat about what's in store for that massive game on Saturday.
1: John Pondicelli and you're listening to the Dragon Art Radio Show.
0: Yeah, huge game on Saturday, James. We just can't uh, emphasise that enough. It's it's do or die. Either we get in the playoffs or our season ends right there. Well,
1: yeah, it's as simple as that. It's in our hands, which is the best you know possible outcome for us. It gives you. You know, it doesn't matter as long as you get those three points, you know you are in the playoffs, whether that's home or away. Uh, you know, but I remember a few seasons ago, where I think we came to the last game of the season and we were playing uh filed, filed already had a better goal difference than us. We could if we beat them, we could only finish low level points and they were in seventh place. So that was it. And it was like there was nothing to play for, and it ended up a nil-nil draw. So at least it's exciting as a Wrexham fan going into the last game of the season, having something to, you know, riding on it. And then, potentially, that run of the playoffs the last time we tasted it was uh, the Eastley game, obviously, at home in the Ricketts season. Was it Ricketts and Barrow,
0: potentially? Yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah, it'd be fantastic um, for the fairy tale of, of, of everything that's gone on in 2020, mm-hmm. 2021, um, and 2021. And, you know, it, it, it may, it's a nice ending for the, for the documentary but also if it isn't this season it's going to be a fabulous journey next way, next year anyway and um, it, let's face it it'd be, it'd be great to go up um, although I look at that you know some of those teams in there and there's some teams that you know Stockport for instance um, we haven't looked great against and you think you're going to come up against them but otherwise there's, there's, there's teams in there that you think I mean, I'd have, I'd have actually fancied playing Sutton as one of the teams. Uh, And obviously, they they went up as champions, and congratulations to them. Um, But they would have been one of the ones I would have wanted in the playoffs rather than some of the others. So um, there's some there's some big teams in there um, in terms of X League and and stature. So everyone's going to want it, Uh, and all we can do is hopefully, you know, go out there, part of best performance, hopefully get three points. And then the journey continues uh, and we go as far as we
0: can. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, chances are it'll be an away game if we get through. But no, I can't. I shouldn't get ahead of myself. First I should say I really hope they make it, not just as a Wrexham fan. I feel this team deserves to make it. I feel that since the turn of the year, the standard's stepped up quite a lot. And, you know, although we've had some erratic moments that, Stockport game, for example, I'd say that generally we deserve to be top five or six from the way we played since the years turned. Um, And also, I'd really like this set of players to make it because they deserve some reward for the way they keep fighting, the way they come back from behind, the way they've bounced back from bad results, the way we've coped with injuries. There seems to be a proper spirit amongst them. I know I can always say, you know, Dean Keats recruits on character as well as quality, but you can see that, I think, very clearly in this side. A, they're a gutsy bunch, and I, I'd love to see them get their shot of of getting promoted, because, let's be honest, some of them probably won't be of us next season if we're going to spend big. So it'd be nice to see them get their shot at showing what they can do.
1: Yeah, I think you've got to hand it to this group of players. Um, I think with the odd exception, and it's been dealt with quickly, Keats has galvanised a the team there that play for him, Regardless of you know your opinion on on Dean as a fan, and you know some are negative, some are positive. He has galvanised a squad, and he's got that squad playing for him. You cannot doubt that because you know, some of the comeback wins we've had, when we have had a bad result, we've come back and bounced back. Most of the time, we've gone on good run, you know, good winning streaks, so or not, you know, not, not losing at least, whether it's wins and draws. And I think, you know, like you said, the camaraderie amongst the players, they're they're in it together in a unit. Um, and they've had to be because of the bubbles and everything that's that's in there. Um, I think you could easily fall out uh, if you had the wrong type of characters in the dressing room in this situation because you're spending probably more time than you would normally in a squad, so you can get away with you can't get away with some of the stuff that maybe you know just going turn up to training and then different groups with their separate ways and and things like that that you know it could happen permutations in football So I think they deserve it. Yeah, and I think what I'd love more than anything is I'd love that home tie or the final appearance where Wrexham fans can actually get to see their team this season and that would be fantastic. There's always a team that comes in with a bit of form in the playoffs and does well. Why can't it be Wrexham? You know, we're not in bad form. With Bonticelli's you know, just started to score a couple of goals. Can we, you know, Jordan Davis set hit form. Luke Young's been playing well all season. The defence, obviously, had a little bit of a... <laughs> a whoopsie the way of the weekend but generally has been solid and you know since Pearson's come back in that's that defence has picked himself Scott Green's come in Hall Johnson's continued doing what he's doing and you know that there's other players I haven't mentioned that are critical to the way they perform not only just in the starting 11 but you know in that squad and I think it would be fantastic for Wrexham fans to either get into the race course uh, under the new you know new ownership to see Bit of that and have an atmosphere, and you know let the, let the new owners see a little bit of a little taste of what's to come when there's a full rock, uh, rocking race course, or get to the final, uh, and then you know have that day out, and you know maybe do their 14-day quarantine and fly over from America. <laughs> won't
0: yeah. be like I did. They'd have to do that now, wouldn't they? Really? Well, no, next Saturday. So they'd have to have great faith in the team that we're going to get through those playoffs if they're going yeah. to make it to the final. But um, I. I've uh, unleashed it in a nerd in me this week and I spent ages working out all the permutations only to then about half an hour later see that one of our two superb photographers, Gemma Thomas, hi Gemma, hi Declan, had actually already done it and had posted it on the media team's uh, chat group. So I thought, <laughs> oh great, I spent ages, but I'm still going to use this anyway, um, even though uh, I'm not the first to jump on with it. Essentially, well, I mean, okay, looking at probability, this is probability without considering quality of teams, obviously. You know, looking at it from a bold statistical point of view, I did A level stats, everyone. Um, it was easier back then, there were fewer numbers. And, uh, you know, there's only three outcomes to a football match. So, there's a, 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 if you don't take into account the quality of the sides, you've got 33.33 recurring chance of each result happening. Obviously, that's not true, is it? You know, if Man City are at home to Gray's Athletic, there's more than a 33.33 chance of City winning. But if we just take the possibilities in terms of results, there's 81 permutations in the games that affect us. The simple thing is, if we win, we're in the playoffs against Notts County. Whether it's home or away depends on what Notts County do. If Notts County lose and we win, then we are at home. But that's the only way that can happen. So in terms of chances, if you're, a fan, if you're a gambling person, that's an 11% chance that we'll get a home match. Um, the, once you get into other results, it gets complex, obviously. The pleasing thing is that <laughs> when you look at it as a whole, like I say, only the permutations, there's a 78% chance that we go through to the playoffs. M- most likely a draw will get us through. Um, unless Eastley beats Solihull. And, a, well, the other game matters, the Halifax-Testerfield match. Um, if there's a positive result in that, it can go against us. Not necessarily. Um, if we lose, even then, there's, according to the results, a, a better than 50-50 chance of qualifying. 59% chance that we could lose and go through. Now, obviously, that you know, certain results are an absolute no-no in that scenario. But yeah, I guess the numbers are, are, are promising. 74% chance of qualifying if we draw, 59% chance if we lose. we may be in a slightly more positive position than I felt before I did that. I think it, it, was, it soothed me, those statistics, <laughs> made me feel a little more relaxed. But the chances of a home game are, well, fairly slim. Yeah, I mean, the home game would
1: be fantastic for the fans, but obviously... Let's go to the big one and and get the fans in that. But, you know, it's it's one step at a time. Let's see if we can get those three points. I think, um, you know, Dagenham, yes, they don't have anything to play for in terms of playoffs, but I don't think you can ever write a team off like that. Dagenham aren't going to want to lose in front of the first time they've got fans into the ground. Um, They're going to want to put performance on. Um, There's also sort of the added permutation that Dagenham obviously got taken over by Americans a few years back. Uh, by the same broker that uh, also broke the deal outbro the deal uh with with our so there, there might be even some uh, uh what's the name uh, competition going over on the state side with some some bets and stuff you never know but um yeah it's no games easy no games are, are given uh and when teams don't have anything to play for sometimes they're the hardest to pick yes they may have already you know gone off for their summer holidays in their heads but yes they might also be playing for that contract or playing for the Off the contract for next year, whoever that team might be. Um, So yeah, it's 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 their eye off. It's it's the it's the games where teams are involved, like Chesterfield and uh, and Bromley, uh, and it's that those permutations. It those are those the interesting ones because, like you said, one way or the other, that helps us whether it's a draw or a a loss. But I just yeah, I'm going to take stats out, and I am a gambling man. (laughs) But uh, take stats out. I just want we just got to go for the win, and I'm not going to focus on the stats. Let's let's keep in our own hands,
0: please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, firstly, I'm shocked by what you say because uh, I know you're a, a big fan of American football. In fact, is that Kansas City something little <laughs> something behind? Yeah, it? it's the, the it's the, the gambling on sports in America. Apart from in certain states, is massively frowned on, and I don't. I don't want you to be starting to lead Rob down that... Poor bloke goes bankrupt or sent to jail just because of you. I'm not going to be happy. Um, (laughs) But but also, yeah, Dagenham. I beg your pardon. Dagenham. You said exactly what I was thinking. They no longer have anything to play for, but they are in front of their own fans for the first time in ages. They have finished the season like an absolute train. And they would love, I'm sure, to sign off by giving the fans something positive. I think all these games would be very emotional. And that's, you know, that, that makes it hard for me to imagine that they'll be on the beach, even though I'd love them to be. Was it last nine games, won seven, drawn one, and lost one? Admittedly, the lost one was last Saturday at Chesterfield. Um, but then the draw was away at Stockport. I mean, they have been absolutely flying. They hammered Halifax 3-0 they are a decent team on good form Will probably want to go out with a bang and so, so it's a proper test for us isn't it
1: yeah and if we go back to the home game February was it I think um you know I thought we played really well we off, played them off the park but then they brought on McCallum uh, and the other big lad that was up front switched it around through the long ball and we did we couldn't cope with it so whether they learn their lessons from that and that's how they start and um, that type of tactic and we learn our lessons from that I suppose you've got Pearson back uh, that adds a bit more of an aerial presence I suppose um, so, so that's adds that yeah you're right they're, they're no <clears throat> they're no easy beats um, and they'll want to prove it the other thing I suppose uh, is players have played well I suppose since March when the league ca- uh, cancelled last year without, without fans so how do players react for you know I know it's not going to sound a strange thing, but you're going from, you know, all, over a year with no fans and sort of that sort of getting used to that almost training match environment, I suppose, to, you know, a little bit of noise, a little bit of, you know, booze maybe, cheering, depending on how you're playing uh, on either side. And, you know, <coughs> Wrexham fans have got to react to that. Uh, Wrexham players have got to react to that as well.
0: Yeah, that's, that's very, very true. Uh, and never seems the most fearsome ground agman to me. Maybe I'm being a bit unfair. Yeah. Uh, So hopefully it's not intimidating. It's more of a joyful atmosphere. We uh, we have played, of course, once in front of. Oh no, no! I just realised I was about to make a positive comment and say we played once in front of fans this season at Weymouth, and we won. But I remember then, of course, we also played in front of fans at Torquay, and we lost. So uh, yeah, there's no pattern there. I'd imagine all players. I'd hope are just keen to get back out there, and keen to get in front of supporters. I would have hoped at least. Yeah,
1: at least. We Wrexham tend to play better against football insides uh, and on football in pitches. Dagenham, you know, obviously have a decent pitch um, and decent, you know, tend to be a football inside. I know they've got the option to go long, uh, so that does sort of allow Wrexham to play their best game to a certain extent rather than the sort of what can be termed as traditional non league style of football to a certain
0: extent. So I'm just having a sneaky look as well. And... You're right. I I was thinking, have Dagenham, did they have one game in front of their fans? It doesn't look like they did. It looked like they they did a trophy game instead at that weekend. So it might well be the first time at all that they've had fans in this season. So I don't know. Let's hope that we can uh, rise to the occasion and come back once again, just like Richard Gere did when Julia Roberts killed him at the end of Pretty Woman. Spoiler alert for any of you who are watching the, the gritty Coen Brothers directed version (laughs)
1: I'm Kerry Evans and you're listening to Dragonheart Radio Show
0: Yep so Saturday's a big game but we already know who the player of the season is all the awards the usual awards were given out and before we talk about that it's such a shame isn't it James that normally that's done with the fans and the players together and obviously this year that's just not possible but at least there's hopeful signs now that soon we'll be able to be holding events like that where fans, players, maybe owners, are all able to come together and share our love of the club.
1: Yeah, that sort of end-of-season dinner when the, you know, the, the, the various fan groups come and present all the trophies and it's a chance to mingle with some of the players, some of the ones, you know, it sort of tends to be the, the day before they get told whether they're getting a contract extension. So sometimes it's the last chance you get to see some of the players uh, mingle in and people get their shirts, you know, the sponsors' uh, shirts and stuff like that. And also, the, the fact the players haven't been able to get the adulation from the fans on the pitch when the, you know, the trophies are presented on the pitch as well uh, and sort of uh, and get that. So, yeah, it's a, it is a shame, but uh, it doesn't make any much lesser achievement.
0: So Yeah, exactly. Well, there are 11 awards given out, so we've got... I'll go through them. You may spot a pattern because one player won six and one player won four of them. Um, the official player of the season was Luke Young, by a good margin. The official Young player of the season, by an even bigger margin, was Jordan Davis. The players' player of the season, Luke Young. And then the different regional awards, Wold Reds, went for Luke Young. Shropshire Reds went for Young as well. The Kings Mills Reds went for Jordan Davis. The London Reds went for Jordan Davis. The of Man Reds were the only ones who broke ranks. They went for Reese Hall Johnson. The Roast Reds went for Luke Young. The Junior Dragons went for Jordan Davis. And our media team, the RxMAC media team, we went for our award. Oh, beg your pardon. That was wrong, wasn't it? Sorry, the media player is the media team plus the local journalists. Well, uh, yeah. Luke Young, sorry about that. I was getting a bit cocky then, wasn't I? Um, I, I mean... Obviously, that indicates two things. Clearly, one, Young and Davis have been terrific this season, but also illustrates what we were talking about last week in Dragon Heart. that to be fair, there were a lot of good performances by players this year. There were quite a lot of contenders, and there's a few who were maybe unlucky not to get the nod. Yeah, I think...
1: I'm glad Paul Johnson's got one, because I think he's quietly gone back Especially as a, as a wing-back, he's really, you know, go for, going forward, um, he, he's added a different dimension and goals. As a right-back earlier in the season, a little bit exposed at times on that right-side of defence, whether that was his fault or or just, just the, the system. But um, I think he, he's been a cracking addition, um, particularly with his, his forward play. Um, you've got players like, you know, Laneton would normally be in there, but he's had a stop-start in his season. Dibble's had some really great games as well. Pearson would normally be in this conversation, but again, he's had a you know an injury hit season. I think Kelleher's unlucky not to be in the shout. He's been consistent all the way through. Um, you know, some of the other
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, some of the other defenders, but obviously missed a few games with injuries here and there. Uh you go into midfield, um Young, he got my vote in the in the media team one, he got my vote in the Shropshire Red one, he got my vote in the club one. Uh, I think if you go a player of the season has to be someone who's been consistent over the season. Uh, so I think he fully deserves that because he's had his best season in the shirt, uh, goal scoring wise uh, and productivity for me. Uh, he's been he's played every game, he's been consistent. Um, Jordan Davis has been a fantastic player and eye uh, catching certainly since the turn of the year. Uh, and I think there's you know Rexma have uh, stuck with him and got that, you know, given him the games to, to and that platform to, to produce. And he's done it, um, and I think he'll go on and hopefully cloak and tie him down long term, and he can he can build, you know, something around that midfield. Um, so I think he's obviously definitely my young player of the season. I I percent agree with that. But again, going back to the consistency, w- we're forgetting that in the early part of the season he played centre half, he played left uh, left wing, left midfield, left midfield, left defence, all over the place. You know, over a season again, that's my my Luke Young one. And then Kwame Thomas was quietly having himself a season, uh, and obviously does his Achilles injury, and you know he he had a, a great season. And other players are coming at different times and and perform well, but your consistent ones uh, that have played the majority of games, I think, are Hall uh, Johnson, Young Jordan Davis, and I, I put Kelleher in there as as a shout. But yeah, I think the I think it's. It's nice to have a spread of players um, but, uh, for, the, for the awards, but I think, you know, realistically, um, the, the the main two, if you go for the club, one young player and the, and the player of the season, I think, have, have fallen to the right players.
0: Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, uh, Jordan Davis had to be really... That's uh, not a criticism with the other young players. In fact, there have been some very good performances by by young players. I mean, Cameron Green now is looking terrific. Tyler French has come in and done well. There's plenty yeah. Um, but Jordan Davis has been spectacular. <laughs> I mean, he, he clearly had to win that trophy. Uh, Luke Young got 34% of the votes. You know, that, that, that's a, a handsome amount of Hall Johnson second, Thomas third and, and Davis fourth. Uh, good to see Thomas remembered, really, as well. Like I said, it's a while since he got injured, and it's good to see that he, he got that recognition. Because yeah. He could easily have won it if he hadn't been injured. And and like I say, Davis, then inevitably, is going to win the Young Award because, well, like you say, he came fourth in the in the, the senior awards. He's been sensational.
1: No, yeah, I think I think the awards have gone to the right people, um, and some are unlucky because of injury. But that's I suppose that's football. That's the season, isn't it? To a certain extent, mm-hmm. um, it, it'll be interesting for me who gets goal of the season. I think there's some interesting ones, like obviously Luke Young's going for a hat trick this year. Is it? Uh, for the goal of the season I think he yes, would be. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know obviously Jordan Davis again will be challenging for that. And there'll be a couple of others that, you know in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um so that that'll be an interesting vote as well. But uh, yeah. yeah I think it's it's great that um the players can get recognized. And I think that you know obviously with the two midfielders um in there as well it shows because they've been the ones that have scored the, the long range uh, spectacular goals and the free kicks and the work rate that's in there um, and at time yes we've been bullied a little bit in midf- midfield but that's not those players' faults necessarily sometimes it's formation or your opposition and, and, and the way of doing it so yeah being consistent particularly Jordan Davis turn of the year onwards uh, uh, and Luke Young for me all season
0: yeah, that um, all the season trophy, by the way, as it was mentioned in the article, will be awarded a bit later, because last year, well, because of lockdown, we weren't able to hold the usual competitions, and so we decided to give it a twist. And oh, uh, if I'm honest, I think the real reason was to give people something to do in the in the summer, you know, get a bit of sustained stuff rather than just a one vote. So we organised it as a knockout competition. We picked the best sixteen goals and, and let them. Everyone vote on which one goes through to the next round. And that went down really well. And we're going to do that again. Which That's I'm glad good. about, because as you say, Luke Young's got some competition this time, hasn't he? There's some some real screamers being scored by a few of the players. So that, that should be fun. So we'll be doing that after the season's concluded. And um, Let's hope that means in about a month. But, um, Kwame Thomas be up
1: there for that. Um, it obviously, it wasn't a goal, but the one he hit uh, against Sutton that hit the crossbar, Oh. Off the volley for that, that, that would have been to me that would have been goal of the season if it had gone in, but obviously, it oh,
0: yeah. yeah, rattled the crossbar <laughs> exactly. It was a hell of a strike, wasn't it? Bless Um, sleeping with the enemy that was a Julia Roberts film, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it came back to me eventually. Um, and the other big news, I suppose, from that, those awards is that it was decided that Young should also receive last year's award, which I don't think anyone could object to. The award just wasn't given out because of well, because of the, all the issues around COVID. Uh, but, yeah, uh, it, it's appropriate that, that Young got last year's award. His standards are the same as they have been this year. And, frankly, no one else. They were, they were, that, that was one of those years where there really were no contenders beyond him. So I'm, I'm really glad that he's got the acknowledgement for that, too.
1: Yeah, I think Luke's obviously made the move up from from Devon under uh, Sam, uh, Sam Ricketts first signing, um, and he's had a few management changes uh, over his time here, um, but he's always been one of the first names on the t- team sheet for all of them. Um, perhaps when Dean comes in, uh, you know, when he came back, he may have thought, "Well, is he my type of midfielder?" But you know, uh, Dean's praised him. Um, you know, there's that famous. Uh, uh, famous but infamous line he said about you know about about Luke Young in one of his interviews that you know so I think it's he's come he's hit the ground running he's always given Rex and fans 100 uh, percent and I think yeah all players to have bad games and good games and when we've had bad games he stands out as having a bad game because he's so used to having a good game so sort of, sort of thing so that's almost a compliment to him in terms of uh, that's how, how consistent he's been um, so yeah uh, hopefully he's uh, He's part of the uh, the revolution.
0: Uh, under Keats, Young has started every single league match since Keats came back.
1: Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. But it was that sort. Of, I I thought Keats would like him as a midfielder because yeah. a little bit similar to a certain extent. Um, but you never you're never sure with the manager because they 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 want to make their own stamp on a squad and how they want to play, don't they?
0: So. It just shows what Keats thinks of him, doesn't it? Really, that he's picked yeah. Consistently, he missed. He didn't start. There was one league game last season, he didn't start, and that was when Brian Hughes made the costly decision to rotate his team around. Um, when we played at Hartlepool, we played over the Easter, uh, not the Easter weekend, the May bank, no, ever that early season bank holiday when we played two games yeah. in three days. He decided to sort of pick a a half-strength team at Hartlepool and got battered. That's the only time he didn't start last season, and even the last two seasons in the league. When he first came to us, he was actually left out of a a few games by Sam Ricketts. Yeah. Surprisingly. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I think it's clear to all now that that guy might just be a first-choice player. Fair play to him. All right, Well, we might as well clear off, I suppose, and let all thoughts turn to the Dagenham match. James, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to to work with you and thanks very much for coming along and uh, getting back on the Dragonheart horse.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Enjoyed it. Good stuff, good stuff. All on Saturday. (laughs) Absolutely. Remember, it's live on BT, so there can't be a live stream. Uh, If you haven't got BT, then well, you know, you could listen to Mixler, the club commentary. That'll be there for the full match to keep you updated. Let's hope that they can do it. And let's hope that they're helped along by the man who is going to give us the Hollywood send-off now, Jay Harris. This is Jay Harris, and you're listening to Dragon Heart Radio. <laughs> this is the Final Whistle podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team.